This is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. And this is going to be an inflammatory disease of the small bowel. What I'm going to do in this talk is talk to you about some of the classic small bowel diseases, like Crohn's disease, but then go into some of the more unusual ones we don't think about, but are seeing more on a daily basis. And some of those might be considered drug-related inflammatory bowel disease. So without further ado, let's get started and let's see what we can talk about. Again, it's very important really to understand what you're looking at in terms of a small bowel. I think people do tend in times to um, perhaps ignore some of the subtle changes, but let's get over that. Now, in terms of dedicated small bowel examinations, typically we're going to use water as a contrast agent. But when we want to do CT enterography, when we're looking at diseases, let's say sprue or other small bowel diseases, you want to use a neutral contrast agent that actually draws fluid into bowel. For many years, most of us have been using volumen, but volumen tends to not go along very well with our patients. Some patients get explosive diarrhea. And there's a new agent that was used initially for MR called Breeza, and it works very nicely. It has a sweet taste. And our experience is that patients like to drink it. We typically use two bottles of Breeza, wait 20 minutes between the first and second bottle, and then at 20 minutes or later, which is at 40 minutes, give another uh, bottle worth of water. Some people use three Breezes and then scan at an hour. But the two Breezes and one water works very nicely. We always use IV contrast, injecting at four to five cc's a second of either Omnipake or visipake. When we do dedicated small bowel studies, we like to do dual phase imaging. That's because some of the pathologies do show best in one phase over the other, particularly small bowel tumors. Often you'll only see them in the arterial phase. Uh, looking at the vascular map, both on the arterial and venous side, requires you to have good dual phase imaging. We do not need non-contrast scans, and we do not need delayed scans. We use thin section CT, 0.75 millimeters, reconstructing at 0.5 millimeter intervals. That's a good protocol regardless of what scanner you have. Obviously, you can use thinner sections, but this uh, sub-millimeter study works very, very nicely. So it works well in practice. Now, for the prototype, probably there's no better prototype than Crohn's disease. When you think about it, when you have active Crohn's disease, your findings will include mucosal hyperenhancement of the bowel, usually the distal small bowel. You'll see wall thickening defined as over three millimeters. You'll see mural stratification, which means you're seeing different layers of bowel. You'll see a prominent vasorecta, and often described as the comb sign. Now, the comb sign was classic for Crohn's. It's not specific for Crohn's. And then you see mesenteric fat stranding. You'll also commonly see, no, see nodes in the mesentery. Nodes are typically at or under one centimeter. And here's just a good example. You look at the axial images, you see thickening of the distal small bowel. You see the mucosal enhancement. You can see also the extent of Crohn's disease. Often it's a fairly long extent of bowel. It may not be just a couple centimeters, it can be very extensive. One of the things you recognize when you're trying to define the extent of disease, it's much easier to see when you look at the patient's coronal views. 
because here you really see the extent of the bowel a whole lot better. You see also the prominent vasorecta, and that prominent vasorecta, the comb sign, is particularly well seen on MIP imaging. So an important feature that I'm showing you right now and reminding you is when you're looking at the bowel, you need to look at axials, multiplanars, particularly coronal, but also sagittals to look at the mesenteric vessels. Then you need to look at the MIP for the vasorecta. And if you use volume rendering, you could look at the bowel wall thickening as well as the vasorecta. With uh, MIP, you're not going to see the bowel wall thickening well because it's a projection technique. So we'll use both techniques. And as you can see in this case, the um, volume rendering works very nicely. Another example of Crohn's. Here you see some prominent vessels in the right lower quadrant, but what you also see in the right lower quadrant is a lot of fat. Fibrofatty proliferation of the mesentery is one of the classic findings in Crohn's disease. When you look at the coronal, you very nicely see that thickened loop of terminal ileum. You can see it's thickened, it's narrowed, there's submucosal enhancement. You look at other images going from the coronal where you see the vasorecta to the MIP imaging where you really see the vasorecta and the comb sign very nicely. And the comb sign and the vasorecta sit just in the middle of the fiber fatty proliferation. And you can see it very nicely here on both the MIP imaging as well as on the volume rendering. Here's another example of Crohn's disease. Again, very similar to the last case. Fiber fatty proliferation, the comb sign with prominent vasorecta, and the mucosal enhancement of the terminal ileum to the level of the ileocecal valve. This is active disease. Now, one thing with Crohn's, sometimes the question is active disease versus uh, disease that's maybe not active. Well, fibrofatty proliferation can be seen in chronic disease or acute disease. The vasorectal prominence is typically associated with active disease, and the prominent mucosal enhancement is associated with active disease. You can see wall thickening as a chronic change, but when you see that submucosal enhancement, you typically are dealing with active disease. And here's just a few more images very nicely showing you all of those findings particularly well-defined on this patient's MIP imaging. Here it is with cinematic rendering, very nicely defining the vasorecta, the long loop of bowel that's thickened, very nicely defined there. Another patient, prominent comb sign, thickening of the terminal ileum, submucosal enhancement, prior surgery near the ileocecal valve, and prominent vasorecta. Again, the importance of the arterial phase imaging. Vasorectal prominence is best seen in arterial phase, although it can truthfully be seen in the venous phase as well. Again, some nice examples of both the MIP and the volume rendering in this patient. And again, what you see very nicely in this example, same patient, is the mucosal enhancement. That's a really good sign of active disease. The lack of folds in the uh, small bowel, very nicely a common finding with inflammatory changes, but especially common in Crohn's disease. Here's a great example. We, I showed you a number of cases now, but they all were terminal ileum for the most part. Here's a nice example of a patient who came in with nausea and vomiting, and the initial thought was something like gastric outlet obstruction or a duodenal ulcer. Well, you see in the third portion of the duodenum, there's marked narrowing. 
And look how the duodenum almost looks like a dumbbell, the way the duodenum is dilated. And what you're seeing is a short segment of bowel that's narrowed and enhancing. It doesn't have the mass effect like malignancy, and this was inflammatory. And this was an unusual appearance of Crohn's disease. We can see Crohn's from the stomach to the proximal bowel, but unusual to see such a short segment causing such dilatation. So again, in your differential diagnosis of small bowel obstruction, be it proximal or distal, you're always going to think about Crohn's disease. And here it is very nicely in the cinematic rendering. Water in the bowel looks red. You see very nicely the wall thickening and the transition. Another patient with a known history of Crohn's, markedly dilated small bowel loops, and you track the small bowel loops downward and the transitions in the distal bowel. Now, it just simply looks like thickened bowel, typical Crohn's disease. And when you look at the coronal, you can see it's a long segment of thickening, a very abrupt transition, but very markedly dilated bowel. And so in this case, this patient is going to need surgery. Remember, uh, you like to avoid surgery in Crohn's patients unless you have to. And this is an example of where you had to. What's interesting about this case, you simply would say Crohn's, narrowing, inflammation. At surgery, this just looked like a typical loop of Crohn's disease. It was resected. On pathology, a couple days later, this came back areas of adenocarcinoma. So there's an increased incidence of adenocarcinoma in Crohn's disease. And it's very important to remember that sometimes you're not going to be able to make the call. You'll see thickened bowel. You're not going to say, can I rule out superimposed Crohn's? But it's something to think about if you see more mass effect. But again, this case, even in retrospect, there's nothing that would let me bring up the diagnosis of malignancy. Here's another patient where this thickening of the small bowel, fiber fatty proliferation, a comb sign. There's very nicely showing you the, the um, striations, the um, different levels of the bowel, mucosal enhancement, submucosal fat, the halo sign. There's no mass effect here, terminal ileum, right to the ileocecal valve. Looks like a classic Crohn's disease, but this was resected as well, and the bowel came back high-grade dysplasia or pre-malignancy. So one of the reasons, if you thought about malignancy, then the surgeons, when they resect the bowel, would go in and also do a nodal dissection. If you're not thinking about malignancy, you're simply going to resect the bowel and not resect any of the nodes. But again, these two cases I've showed you, there's no way I was thinking about malignancy. Now, what other things do we see involving the bowel? Well, one of them that we don't think about that commonly is shown in this case. You see what looks like an inflammatory process in the mesentery, and there's multiple tiny like air bubbles here. This is the appearance of diverticulitis. Now, we always think about diverticulitis, but it's a sigmoid colon or the colon in general, not the small bowel. Well, small bowel diverticulitis can occur more commonly in jejunum and in ileum. It presents often as a mesenteric inflammatory process, simulates perforation, typically is treated conservatively and the patient will do well. You can see in the coronal view here the inflamed bowel, the extraluminal inflammation into the mesentery, just a beautiful example of jejunal diverticulitis.
again, uncommon, but you need to think about it. What else could this be? Perforation from a foreign body, that's a possibility. Could it be something like MAI where you get nodes in the mesentery, but those are low density nodes. MAI gives you thickened bowel, but not this appearance of diverticulitis. And here's an article we wrote like a lifetime ago. While diverticulitis of the small bowel is a rare cause of inflammatory disease, is associated with high mortality, which is partly due to delay in diagnosis. The CT findings in jejunal diverticulitis, although not specific, may suggest the diagnosis. The CT findings in ileal diverticulitis can probably not be differentiated from those of other inflammatory processes in the right lower quadrant. Diverticulitis of the small bowel should be included in the differential diagnosis of intra-abdominal inflammatory processes. That was 86. That statement still works very nicely in 2022. And again, we spoke about in this article, uh, jejunal diverticulitis, 28 cases from our old friend Steve Rubison, characteristic findings on CT, discrete round or ovoid contrast filled or air containing structures outside the expected lumen of the small bowel with a smooth, barely discernible wall and no recognizable small bowel folds, exactly like the case I showed you. And here's a very nice example of ileal diverticulitis. Again, you could think about something like Crohn's. You could think about other inflammatory processes, missed appendicitis, Meckel's diverticulitis. But you can see the multiple diverticuli here. And then you realize you're talking about small bowel. You're not talking about the cecum because you can get cecal or right-sided diverticulitis. And this diverticulitis involves the terminal ileum. Again, you recognize the inflammatory process. The key is to recognize that it's diverticulitis of the small bowel. Just really a nice example. And if you think about how this looks, it looks very similar to the jejunal appearance. And again, look at those little air bubbles. That appearance, you have to etch that in your mind. So the next time you see it, which is not gonna to be today probably, you will recognize it. So just a beautiful example of ileal diverticulitis. Again, ileal and jejunal are the two most common areas to get this process. Now, when we think about ischemic bowel, there's a lot of things we can talk about. With ischemic bowel, we do see a lot of patients because we have an older population. It may not always be the diagnosis, but it's things you think about. The challenge with ischemic bowel, initially, when you'd like to diagnose it, when you can make the most impact, it's not very specific. There's luminal dilatation, there's bowel wall thickening, maybe dilated veins, some inflammation and mesenteric fat. And then as you proceed, you can see intramural gas and mesenteric or portal venous gas. Obviously, the further down the list you go, the more severe the disease is, and the more likely you're gonna have a bad outcome. Key things when looking at mesenteric ischemia or looking at any scan, look at the sagittal views. Look at the patency of the mesenteric vessels and track them down. In this case, there's some narrowing of both the uh, celiac and SMA. This patient has lots of atherosclerotic disease, but the vessels are patent. In this case, I got a really good view of this. The patient had an emboli and it went into the SMA and look at the patient's SMA occlusion. Look how far down it goes into the vessel. So again, you could see it on the axial views, though particularly when it gets distal, it can be difficult to appreciate 
it's much easier to see on the sagittal view and make sure you track the vessels downward. Again, beautiful example of the proximal SMA occlusion and flow distal in the vessel. Here's a patient with decreasing uh, bowel sounds, increasing abdominal pain. It almost looks like a non-contrast scan, but it's just the bowel is not enhancing. You see what looks like probably some air in the bowel wall. You look at the sagittal view and there's the thrombus in the SMA. It's a great case because this patient has a patent IMA. The patient has minimal plaque, but there's a thrombus in the vessel. This thrombus was removed and here's the patient a week later and the patient was doing fine. This patient was very lucky. There was no need to resect bowel. Just a really nice example. Another case where the thrombus arises several centimeters from the origin of the SMA. Vessel is occluded. You see the changes in the small bowel, the edema in the mesentery, the thickened bowel. And you see it very nicely on the volume rendering, the vessel cutoff. And here's the thrombus, and here it reconstitutes. Again, the importance of looking not only at the proximal aspect of the vessel, but the entire vessel. And here's an example of a legal case where the patient ended up with infarcted bowel, and this was read by the radiologist as normal. And you can see when you look quickly, the SMA looks great, and in fact, the bowel and mesentery look okay. But when you follow it down, there's a thrombus in the SMA. I know it's not the greatest injection, and it's very easy to miss that. They did not do sagittal views. I went back and did the sagittal view, and you can see very nicely when you do the sagittal view, there's the clot in the vessel. Again, there's plaque in this patient, but the SMA looks so good until it looks so bad. A very, very important finding. Always look very carefully because those are the ones that are typically missed. Another example. This patient presents with acute abdomen. The patient has ischemic bowel. Look at the clot in the patient's portal vein. You can see the inflammation in the mesentery. One of the findings with ischemic bowel often is that hazy mesentery beyond the bowel wall thickening, the mesenteric inflammation can be a helpful sign. You can see in the coronal view, you really appreciate the edematous changes in bowel, that haziness and almost what looked like prominent vasorecta in the mesentery. Here's a few more views in the coronal perspective, really nicely showing you. And of course, there's that large thrombus from portal vein down into SMV. This had to be removed. And in this patient, bowel resection was necessary because the bowel was ischemic at time of surgery. And again, a beautiful view of that halo sign, the ischemic bowel, the redness because of bowel edema and the lack of perfusion, the prominent vessels, and here the real narrowing of vessels as there's no flow to these bowel loops in the mid-abdomen, really nicely shown on the patient's cinematic rendering. Now I mentioned looking at the vessels. One thing that also is helpful for diagnosing or suggesting with high certainty ischemic bowel is when the SMA and celiac are so small. Now in this case, the vessels are not occluded, but the vessels are tapered. When patients are hypotensive, when patients have hypovolemia, when patients are going into shock, you will often see very small branches of the celiac and SMA. Sometimes the proximal celiac and SMA look good for a centimeter or two, but then the vessels are really, really tiny, as in this case. 
And I'll leave you with one last case of what happens when ischemic bowel really goes bad. Markedly dilated stomach, there's free air in the abdomen. Look at the air in the bowel wall. That's as bad a case of pneumatosis of the small bowel as you're ever going to see. Air in the bowel wall, air within the mesenteric vessels. This means infarcted bowel. And unfortunately, when you look at how extensive this is, you recognize this is going to be fatal for the patient. Again, there it is on the coronal view. There it is on the cinematic view. And here on the cinematic, I've accentuated the air in the bowel wall very nicely. And there, of course, is the portal venous air and the, all of the air within the liver, uh, the air, free air in the abdomen, ischemic bowel, infarcted bowel, and this patient unfortunately passed away. Now, as I mentioned, I'm also going to speak about some unusual causes of small bowel pathology. But I think I've used up my time, so let's stop right here, and we'll come back in a few minutes. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.